Hello and welcome to the One Football Podcast. So the Women's Football Podcast is back for another week and I am joined by our very own Alejandro Diago who has been off for a few weeks but never fear, he has returned. How is everything? Good, good, everything's good. We have enjoyed a, a, a traditional Finnish summer in a traditional Finnish cottage with sauna, so it's been quite good. Lovely, sounds very good. Um, well, since you're here, we've got a lot to talk about. Um, we've so, so much to catch up on. Um, so I thought we would kick things off by talking about the Women's International Champions Cup. So we spoke about this on the podcast last week. We spoke about Barcelona, obviously facing Leon, And we were kind of debating if we thought Leon were going to progress to the final or Barcelona. I think the majority went with Leon, And we were right. Um, you know, Barcelona did lose to them. I feel like they'll probably be kicking themselves because let's face it, it's Barcelona. They want to win everything, even if it is a friendly. Um, but Alejandro, I just wanted to get your opinion since we've we've not spoke recently on this, but you know, what your opinion is um on Barcelona and how they've been performing and the, you know, the transfer window, the new manager, etc. What are your thoughts on the club? Uh, look, uh, Angelina, even if Jus Cortes he won't be in a season after what happened in the in the in the end of last season, uh, I think Barcelona is still the team to beat in Spain. It's a team that has signed not only Irene Paredes, that she is the captain of the Spanish national team, but also she is she is now in her roster in the roster two top players such as Fridolina Rolfo and Ingrid Engen, and that means that this team is going to be very difficult to defeat this season. And if you add to that that they have extended Ana Maria Sernogosevic, that in theory she will be part of a second unit, that that says you how much. This team is going to is uh, this team is is able to do, and also think that Claudia Pina is back from her loan, one of the youngest talents in Spain. So really, it's going to be a cool season to watch, and I hope that there can be some team that they can face Barcelona in the Spanish league. Yes, definitely. Um, I I agree with you. I think they're still definitely the team to beat. I don't think that um. You know, losing to to Leon is is the be all and end all uh, for them. I think they'll still be on top form. Um, like I say for Barcelona, it didn't seem like a friendly competition for them. I think it, it seemed the same with Leon. They definitely wanted to win, and I feel like they maybe wanted to prove a point with what happened with the league and the Champions League. You know, to maybe kick things off. Um, you know, with with a trophy, but unfortunately, you know, they faced Portland Thorns in the final. It was Portland who took home the trophy after a one nil win. I think that last week on the podcast we were we were pretty confident that that Leon or Barcelona would take home the trophy, especially with obviously Houston Dash not really being at their best at the moment. But Alejandro, were you surprised with the result or not really? Because Portland are, of course, you know, still a very talented side. Uh, to be honest, it was a bit surprising, but I will take this as what it is. It's a precision tournament, a precision result. And we should understand it on that way that Lyon is focusing more on the preliminary round on the, of the Women's Champions League, and that is the biggest business they have now to qualify for the group states. Uh, but really, I uh, don't let me be, mis- be misunderstood and don't let me 
underestimate Portland Thorns, one team that if you see a roster, really, it's full of talented players who are present and future of the U.S. women's national team. Yes, definitely. A, a lot of stars in that team. And um, I, I think it was great. It was a great tournament to watch to see, you know, the best teams in Europe facing, you know, the best teams. Uh, well, you could argue, like I say, uh, Dash have not been at the best, but, you know, two of the, the best teams in the in the US as well. I think it was really great. Um to to see that and and props to Portland, you know, for winning on on home soil, um, and I'm excited. Uh, I'm excited to see you know what happens with with all of the teams that were involved, but definitely a good tournament. Um, now with that said and done, we can now look to the Champions League, um, because we are now into the second round of the UEFA Women's Champions League qualifiers, and there are some pretty exciting matches to look forward to. Um, one team that is involved is Glasgow City, who face my French is terrible. Um, well, if it is French, no, they're Swiss, so maybe not French, but um, Servette Chenois Feminine. Um, so they are a Swiss team that Glasgow City will be facing. And in order to get there, they had to face, I will say, BIIK um, Kazigert over the weekend. Now, this is the team that knocked Glasgow City out of the Champions League four years ago. Um Glasgow are used to having their manager Scott Booth, who has now made the move to Birmingham City. So it was interim head coach Grant Scott that was at the helm. Um, and Glasgow City managed to get revenge as they did knock them out. They got away with a 1-0 win thanks to a goal from Priscilla Chinchilla. Fantastic name. No matter how many times I say it, I still love it. Um, Alejandro, it's it's important that teams like Glasgow City do progress in this competition, isn't it? Because I, I feel like we should, you know, have a good, strong representation of the talent that is in Scotland. Uh, for sure, really, being the, the, the team, the representative of Glasgow in women's football, it's important for them, but also because they have two big pools in the town, as they are Celtic and Rangers, and that means that the Glasgow City is the team that is representing Glasgow, Scotland, in Europe, and is and they are advancing to the main rounds of the Women's Champions League. That means how good job they make. Uh, let's see how this job goes, uh, how the leg goes on. But I think Glasgow City they can have chances to advance in, to the group stage because they have a, a nice team, they have a decent a squad done and I think the, that the coach is very motivated to do a, a proper job so let's see how the how the tale goes on yes most definitely and it will be interesting to see if Grant Scott um you know gets the job as permanent manager because at the end of the day if he does manage to get them through these rounds I don't see why he shouldn't be offered the job and it'll be interesting to see if they do decide to stick with him um another fixture that is going on a big one is between Levante and Leon um Alejandro what have you made of Levante's transfer window so far particularly of course them losing Esther Gonzalez you must be devastated for them uh, really uh, Levante is going to have a very tough season because it's going to be the reconversion season after the departure of the biggest star of the team but they will fight until the end I think even if they have lost not only Esther González, but also they have lost Claudia Zornoza, Stefania Banini, and also they said goodbye to her coach, to Maria Pri. Uh, I think they are they are a different team from 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 last year, but they always recover and they will all they will always be on the fight 
two against the biggest the biggest teams in Spain. We saw we saw last season, and I think this season is going to be the same. Yeah, I agree. I think it's going to be tough for them, but I wouldn't want to, you know, rule them out completely. Um, but I do have a feeling that Leon. I don't think it's going to be easy for them, but I think they may get the job done with this one just because, um, like I've said, they will be looking to prove a point. They cannot, you know, the Champions League is their competition. They are not going to take not being in it. I think it would be such a huge blow, especially after last season. So I think they're definitely going to be on their A game. Um, you look at some of the players that Leon have brought in. Um, I think they're definitely going to be looking good. Now, if Levante don't progress um you know you've touched on the fact that it's probably going to be a difficult season for the Melejandro but you know what does this mean for this Levante team if they do not progress and do you think that fans should maybe be a little bit worried uh, absolutely not really Levante has done an excellent campaign this year in the Women's Champions League first of all we need to think that they have a completely new team without mm. the bigger stars of last season and even though of that they have advanced the first preliminary round in which they weren't the favorites because the favorite in the group of Levante it wasn't Levante but Rosenborg. So if I was a Levante fan, I wouldn't be worried. The Champions League is a good prize after a good season and they must enjoy it. And if a seven-time European champion comes to your home as uh, Lyon will do for Levante, what else can you ask? Just enjoy of the game and if you are in the mood and you can fight the team uh, the dream team of Leon in a good way, go ahead. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. And I don't think there would be any shame in bowing out to a team like Leon. And, you know, like we said, it's going to be a tough season and maybe not having the Champions League might actually help Levante, I guess, because if they're not having to worry about that competition, maybe they can focus on the league and making sure they finish in that top three. Um, so, yeah, I guess all will not be lost, um, you know, should they bow out of the competition at this stage. Um, looking at some of the other fixtures, we've got Arsenal facing Slavia Prague. They previously got a 3-1 win over PSV in the qualifiers to get here. Um, you know, looking at Arsenal, I'm not too concerned. I think that they should be able to get the job done with this one. Um, Alejandro, looking you know, at Arsenal, obviously they, they've brought in some good names. They've said goodbye to one or two good names. Um, they, of course, have a new manager. Going into this new season, do you think that fans should be feeling more confident than they did maybe last season? I think also because Lucky Arsenal comes back, really. They got, uh, again, one the easiest leg in the in the in the Champions League uh, preliminary round against Slavia Praga and I think they have an easy chance to get into their group stage. But seriously, I think they the this season the Arsenal fans they have reasons to be optimistic. Even if they lost Daniel Van de Dong, they have arranged the rivals of players of the quality such as Simone Sorensen and uh, Nikita Paris. That means the team is got is bet is betting a lot of a lot of uh, stakes in the in the in the in the players and they want to make big things and also they have Frida Manum to replace Van de Donk in the midfield so it's a good a good replacement and it can be uh, it can give warranties for them. If they are a bit lucky and if they can fit the fit during all the season I think they are they can be a potential candidate to fight the title with Chelsea, Man City and Man United. I don't know how you see this Arsenal. I would probably tend to agree as a Manchester United fan I'm a little bit concerned about um about our chances you know looking at how well 
Arsenal have um, have done in the transfer window, you know, bringing players in. I'm excited to see what the manager can do um, as, as a neutral. And yeah, I think that um, if they can comfortably get through this round, you know, seeing them playing in Europe, I think it will be good. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see what they bring this season. I think that you're, I would agree with you. I think they, they should be up there. More so than last season, you know, it was kind of more towards the end that we saw them truly, um, you know, kind of taking it and running with it to get that third spot. But I think we'll definitely see them competing a lot more with the likes of of Chelsea and Manchester City. Do I think they're completely on the same level? Maybe another season um, until they're maybe on that same level as the likes of Chelsea and Man City. But I think they've done brilliantly and I'm looking forward to to seeing what, what happens with them. Um, looking at some of the other games, of course, there is Bordeaux against Wolfsburg. Um, I feel like with Wolfsburg's experience in this competition, um, I can see them getting the win in this game. Um, Bordeaux did impress at times last season, but of course they are without Khadija Shaw now. I think they may struggle a little bit, but um, yeah, I kind of see Wolfsburg taking the win with that one. And then there is a huge, huge game that we must talk about. Real Madrid against Manchester City. I mean, these are the types of games that football fans have been dying to see more of. And this is just one of the reasons why it's so great that Real Madrid are in the mix that we get to see games like this happen. (laughs) Um, Alejandro, how are you feeling? Tell me, how are you feeling about this fixture? Excited, really. If there is a competition Real Madrid lives and breathes for, this is the European Cup. In any of the names, Champions League, Women Champions League, whatever, this is the competition that Real Madrid makes history. And now we are ready to write a new page in the in this women's edition. The feeling is, is excitement. Many girls think that they have always dreamed to play for Real Madrid and making it in a European competition. And now the dream is going to become true. And I only just have two things to ask for Real Madrid players. First of all, leave everything on the pitch and then respect the traditions Real Madrid has in the European Cup. She doesn't deserve less. 100%. And I mean, we, I know that we spoke before we hit the record button, we spoke about some of the, the Real Madrid traditions that you're used to seeing. Yeah. Um, maybe the you modern could... traditions that I, I would like to see, for example, this, this tradition that the captain, she goes down of the, of, of the plane with, with the sunglasses. Yeah. Maybe... If I see Peter Babbitt doing that, I will be happy. <laughs> okay. Also, I like I like for example that the the, the as as the men's team. I hope they I'm for sure the women's team. They will go with the best shoes and the best clothes to travel to the foreign destinations. Yeah. That's that's also I see. And the last part, I hope to see the president of Real Madrid on the day on the day on the match day. Well, hours before the game, when the team is going to the stadium and they are ready to get up to the bus, to get onto the bus, saying, giving hugs and 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 wishing good luck to the players and 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 shaking hands with all of them. I hope if if the restrictions they make they make it available that our president travels with the team and yeah. she can and he can be he can be with them in 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 the, in the night in one of the most historical nights for Real Madrid. One hundred percent. I think even just from a, from a tradition point of view, that an, an ritual kind of view. Of course, we need that. But I think also, you know, to see him 
at an occasion like that, I do think is massive and definitely should happen. Um, but I, I like those those rituals and those things that you need. I think they're definitely achievable. You know, sunglasses, that's good outfits. The, that's also the Champions League, and that's also in no matter the gender. That's also the the, the Champions League, no matter if it's yeah. men or women. Of course, 100%. I'm with you on those. I like those. Um, I like that they're detailed. Um, and I hope that you get them all um, because it really, you know, is going to shape up to be a massive game. I mean, you know, Real Madrid have really enhanced themselves this season, as have Manchester City. Um, I guess you could maybe try and say that Manchester City could be more favourites because obviously they've got a little bit more, well, a, a bit more experience in, in the Champions League. But at the same time, you cannot underestimate underestimate Real Madrid, like you say. This is Real Madrid's playground. Um, and these players will understand how important this is. Um, and I just, I don't even think I could call it, to be honest. I mean, obviously the bias within me, I'm, I'm rooting for uh, for Real Madrid. But as a neutral it's it's hard to call. Um, I mean, looking at, at your team, Alejandro, looking at Real Madrid and how they have done in the transfer window, what are your thoughts? Are you feeling happy? And also, you know, what do you think their chances are in this game? Uh, about the transfer window, I like it. I like it. It's been a transfer market where we have signed many young Spanish talent and I hope they can show that they are ready to become Real Madrid history. The only part of the team I see it can be a bit weak is the defence. But even top of that, I think Real Madrid has, has many chances to make a big, a big season. And about this leg, well, I see Man City slightly favourite on a 45-55% basis. But, as I told, this is the European Cups uh, and the European Cup and it's Real Madrid history. Hmm. And when it comes to Real Madrid history, no matter the percentages, that Real Madrid always appears. Yes, definitely. I, I agree with you. I mean, there are so many, you know, big players in this game. Um, I've, I've not double-checked fitness and stuff like that, but I think um, there will be a couple of players definitely hungry for this game and looking to step up to the plate. I mean, could you even give us a prediction, Alejandro? I'm going, I'm saying Real Madrid wins 2-1 in Madrid. And we draw 1-1 in Manchester. Okay, fair enough. I think, oh, it's a tough one. I think, obviously, it will be a tough away game for Real Madrid. Maybe Manchester City will get a 1-0 victory. Um, and then at home in Madrid um, for Real, I think I think they're going to get the win. I'm going to go for a 3-1 victory. Um, I'm going to go big. I'm going to go big. <laughs> but, I mean... Suffering to to advance of round, that's that's typical. That's also typical of the European Cup. You need to suffer to to in the European Cup to earn one. Yes, definitely. So maybe this is maybe this is going to be Real Madrid suffering. Maybe it'll be Manchester City. We'll have to wait and see. But um, it's oh, it's going to be such a massive game. I cannot wait um, to see what happens and you know what the ramifications will be you know, for each team, should they not get through. Um, but yeah, all very exciting stuff from the Champions League. In other news, though, the UEFA Women's Player of the Year nominees have been announced. The final three are Alexia Putellas, uh, Lika Martins and Jenny Hermoso. Um, who's your winner, Alejandro, out of the three? 
Alex yeah, really with a funny that she's been showing during years in Barcelona and in the yeah. Spanish national team that she's the lighthouse of the team. Every ball bars a place pass through her boots. If there is a bit of justice, she will be the winner and also she will win this year Ballon d'Or. Yes, 100%. Cannot wait to see um, who is up for that one. Um, I mean, the rest of the shortlist in order of vote was Vivian Miedema, Aitana Bonmati, uh, Caroline Hansen, Frank Kirby and Sam Kerr tied. I mean, of course they're going to be tied. Of course those two had to be the ones that were tied. Um, Vanilla Hara and Irene Paredes. Um, are there any names, Alejandro, in that shortlist that you wish was maybe in the top three or are you happy with the way it has worked out? Really, the top three, it should be it should be, uh, cope with all Barca players. There is no other yeah. chance they have that. The perfect season, and I think there is no name that can replace the one of the the top three. Maybe the only one, it will be Aitana Bonmati, Lique Martens, but it is so tight. But uh, uh, Lique Martens is, 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 is uh, uh, without any argu- uh, uh, argument, uh, is she, she deserves to be on that on this top three and also the top ten? You cannot replace uh, no one of the top of the top ten of the nominees. They have earned it fairly and they deserve to be in this list after a competition they have done. Mm. So I think even the th- the top three and the top ten lists they are completely fair. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I think you look at, um, I think it's very easy for women's Super League fans to kind of focus just on that. And I'm sure that there are some people maybe thinking, oh, maybe some care should have been there. But at the end of the day, when you're looking across Europe, because this is about, you know, European players, it's no yeah. surprise that Barcelona players are so heavily involved because they were completely, you know, on another level, weren't they? Maybe if you tell me one name on the top 10, Maybe I will add Tiane Entler. That is the only name. Yeah. But but who do you take off from Tiane Entler? Because the other exactly. players, they, 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 they deserve to be. So that is the only name. But Yeah, I, I agree with you. It's That's the thing. You can think of names to maybe put in, but who are you going to take out? Um, very interesting to see how that one plays out and, um, you know, who will be crowned Women's Player of the Year. Uh, to finish things off, I thought we'd have a little chat about um, some of the latest transfer news. Um, and one of the shocks of the window has been that of Yu Hasegawa, who has apparently declined the likes of Real Madrid and Barcelona in favour of this move to West Ham. Alejandro, are you, are you offended by this one? Uh, absolutely not really. It's bigger than any movement in the transfer market. Of course, I would like to have seen her play in the Spanish league. But maybe West Ham now can have some chances to be a nice animator and one of the teams to follow up in the in the Women's Super League. I don't know. What do you think about this? Yeah, I agree. I think that um, a lot of clubs have made some steps up looking at their transfer windows anyway. And I think that this Women's Super League... Um, especially around the middle of the table. I think it's going to be very competitive because Spurs have made good moves. We're going to talk about Everton. Then you've got West Ham. You know, West Ham at times were lurking around that relegation spot last season. Um, I would be surprised if they ended up, you know, back in that same position. I think they've really got to take the signings that they've made and make that step up. And I'm excited to see what they do. And I think that they've definitely got a good chance of 
of being in the mix around the middle. I know that obviously the middle doesn't mean necessarily European places, but, you know, just to be moving further up that table, you know, it definitely shows progression. And And also this transfer window, what is showing is that the Women's Super League is is becoming every every day faster, the best women's football league in the world, really. Yeah, I mean... I'm I'm sorry that, I'm sorry they say the, the... the, the National Women's Soccer League in the U.S. It's, it was the one who was who had the best players and the best uh, and and the best stars. But uh, as we are seeing every day, that is changing the the trend and is now in in England the competition that it has more best players and more talent rather than the U.S. I don't know if you see like this like that. I I completely agree with you on that one. I think that. Um... It is fast becoming, you know, the, the the best league. I think that you you can't take away from the US, you know, the players that they have produced, the things that they have achieved over the years, etc. Yeah, yeah, no, no, but no. but really, I agree. US, we are not uh, under under recognizing or uh, underestimating the US potential and the US quality. They are probably one of the. It was where the where the women's football was 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 made great. It it was the land where. The best player they have developed years after years, but the trend is changing. The, it and definitely is changing because, like you say, the proof is the fact that where are all these players going? They're going to the Women's Super League. Um, so that I agree with you. It speaks volumes. Um, and I think it's great to see just so many moves and even things like little rumours here and there. I just think the fact that it just seems to be being talked about so much more this season, it just makes it all really exciting. Um, And, you know, especially in the UK, um, the discussions that have been had about women's football, it being represented more, obviously, the television rights in the UK for the upcoming season. I think it's going to be a big, big season uh, for the WSL. And another team that has been making moves is Everton. I have been so impressed. They have agreed, obviously, this massive, massive deal for Hannah Benison. It's a long-term deal. And it seems like, according to reports, Everton will be paying a six-figure fee. You know, this is arguably one of, if not the most highly rated youngster on the market at the moment. Alejandro, have you been impressed with Everton this summer, and what do you make about um, this this huge signing that they've made? Really, this transfer window of Everton has been so curious. Yeah. To be honest, seeing, for example, seeing Tony Dugan getting back to England from Spain and doing it to Everton is something I didn't expect because I was thinking that she maybe she was going to Arsenal, to Man Man United, or one of the biggest teams, but she goes to an Everton that can be one of the most funny teams to watch. Yes, <laughs> and it's going to be. It's going to be so cool, really. I didn't expect that, and it was. So, it's so nice, and also I'm curious to see how players as Aurora Gali and Leonie Meyer can go a step ahead with Topis. So, really, that's why when I, when I was saying before that the women's uh, Super League is getting faster, the one of the the biggest competitions in the world, uh, it was because of that. They are taking talent from everywhere. They are taking global talent. They are taking. Uh, the best players, no matter wh- where they come from, and that you can see on the pitch. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, I know that Everton have, you know, quite a good, a good history in women's football. But I guess Everton as a brand, you don't necessarily think that, um, 
you, you don't necessarily think of the biggest names and that's no disrespect to Everton, but just like I say, Everton as a brand, um, it's got, a, it seems to have some serious draw to these players, which makes me excited to think, you know, what Everton have up their sleeves. Um, and I think that I definitely, as a Manchester United fan, I am concerned because if, you know, the, these players, you know, especially the fact that, um, you know, they've they've just announced this signing um, of Benison, which, you know, like I say, for them to have been able to have signed, you know, one of the most exciting talents, um, I think, yeah, it's, it speaks volumes. And yeah, I am nervous about what potentially um, could unfold because I think Everton you know, could even, I mean, I guess if you take out of the equation, Chelsea and Manchester City, I do think that those two will be in the top two. Um, but regarding that third spot, um, like I've I've mentioned previously in the podcast uh, today, you know, Arsenal are looking very, very strong. I would put them as a definite team to be competing for that third spot, but you never know a team like Everton, they really could surprise and pull through. Um, yeah, it can be one of these dark horses of the, of the competition. Yeah. Definitely. I, I think that they could be and I'm happy to see them. Um, like I say, they've got a good history in women's football. I'm I'm excited to see them back, you know, kind of where they should be competing um at those levels. And of course, Manchester United will touch on briefly. Just thought I'd get your opinion on this one. I mean, I'm I'm very concerned. I'm I'm very concerned. I've spoken about it for probably the last three weeks on the podcast. I am a bit concerned. Alejandro can you give me any positivity or do you think that us United fans should maybe be a little bit worried about what has unfolded this summer? I'm going to say you and the United fans just for words. Trust okay. on Ona Batley. Really. Okay, yes. Give her the keys of Old Trafford. Give her what she wants. Give, <laughs> the keys to the really. city, everything, yeah. Everything, really. If, this, if you let this player do all she can do, all all she knows to do, is going to be a wonderful season for for the Red Devils. Yeah, I cannot say anymore. Really, it's uh, having a player like Ona Battle in the team, and also additions that, like you have of Bildeboy Risa. It's uh, you can make a wonderful team with that, and you can compete for everything. So that's why I say trust on on Ona Battle. Give give give. give Everything she wants. Okay. I shall make a phone call to Manchester United and be like, listen, whatever she wants, whatever food she wants, whatever she wants in the city of Manchester, give it all to her as long as she's happy. I'm feeling more positive after you've said that to me, though. I'm feeling a little bit better. And I guess you're right. As much as things maybe haven't gone the way that some Manchester United fans planned, um, you know, we have a new manager that, I, you know, I have got faith in. I think you have, you know, what, what else can you do? Of course, you've got to put faith in the man. He does have experience in the Women's Super League, of course. So, you know, I'm I'm trying to be cautiously optimistic. I am a little bit nervous. But like you say, Manchester United do still have some talent within that team. And if this talent is is able to, you know, bring to the table what, they, what they're known for, then I think it, it should be okay. I mean... Obviously, a couple of players have left, and one of them is, of course, Tobin Heath, um, who is allegedly weighing up multiple offers in Europe, but reportedly is likely to stay in England, as like we say, the Women's Super League, best league in the world, you could say. Um, Alejandro, which team could you maybe see uh, Tobin Heath playing for? Are there any in particular that spring to mind? 
I think a player of her age and experience will be a perfect add-on for every team, really. But mm. she must understand her, her new role and see that she will need to be the best teammate for a future striker. She needs to develop a new career in which she's the best, uh, the best, uh, uh, the best person to give advice to the new generations of strikers, and so that they can become uh, even better than him and and go over her. Mm. But I don't know in which team she will end, but I know one where she will not. Manchester City. Yes. Yeah, I don't. I can't see her heading over to Manchester City. Um... Yeah, because when 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 she was in in Manchester United, she was always defending that Manchester is red, and she was yeah so to the to the Manchester United fans and to the Manchester United uh, staff. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. She did, that passion for the team definitely did come across. Um, I mean, if she was staying in England, it's a shame that she couldn't have just stayed with Manchester United, but uh, we'll let her off. Um, but yeah, it'd be interesting to see where she does end up, if she does stay in England um, or not. And an, another transfer that has happened, um, just touching on your team, Real Madrid have managed to sign Caroline Moller um an experienced player, despite you know being quite young, are you happy with that addition to your team? Uh, totally, really. We needed a midfielder with a strong physical performance because we have very good midfielders. But for example, Maite Oroz, he doesn't have as as, as physical condition as as Caroline Moral has, and I think she's a perfect add-on to Real Madrid. And I, I and after her arrival. From my point of view, Real Madrid has the best midfielder in Spain, mm. or at least equal to Barcelona. So that means how the, the quality of this player it can be. Yeah, I think it's definitely a, a great move and great that they've brought in, you know, a, a youngster that can definitely be developed at the club and can provide, you know, Real Madrid with some, with, a, you know, a good couple of seasons, definitely. So I, I was happy when I saw that one for you. Um, and our final bit of transfer news is over in the US with Kristen Press. She is now an Angel City FC player. So the LA Times has reported that Press has signed a two-year deal with an option to extend a third. If this does happen, the value of her deal will rise to about $550,000, which would make her one of the highest paid players in the NWSL. Um, now, stories like these, you know, I think are, are great. I definitely welcome them, especially regarding, you know, large sums of money, because like it or not, you know, football in general as a business, you know, there's a lot of money in it. We see a lot of money in the men's game. Um, and I think that it's really good for the sport that people are starting to recognize just how valuable these players are and that they should be paid accordingly. Um you could argue, you know, a debate for another podcast, but you could argue that maybe women have to make even more sacrifices than men. Um, you know, seeing Carly Lloyd recently retire, saying that she now wants to be able to start a family and all that type of stuff. You know, w women in the sport make a lot of sacrifices and should be paid, you know, in accordance to, to things that they have to go through. And I think it's great to see that Kristen Press will be uh, potentially, you know, earning that kind of money. And it's really interesting you know this Angel City FC um obviously the team isn't actually functioning yet um it's expected to begin play in 2022 and there are many high profile owners I was having a read we've got Serena Williams, Eva Longoria, Mia Hamm, Natalie Portman, Becky G etc 
it will be the first women's professional um, soccer team in uh, the LA area since the fall of LA Salt back in 2010. Alejandro, what are you, what's your opinion on all of this? And, you know, these clubs potentially, you know, we I guess we see it with, um, with Inter Miami, with, you know, David Beckham and stuff like that. But, you know, these clubs being owned by such big names, do you think that this type of thing is good for the sport? You know, providing these people like Serena Williams and Eva Longo, you know, I want to see these people, you know, representing these teams. I want to see them at games. I want to see them talking about it on their social media. If they do these things and do their part, do you think that this stuff is really good or do you think maybe it's glamorizing the sport a little bit too much? What are your thoughts on things like Angel City? I think that if they are going to integrate themselves really on the team, making fan participation bigger and creating a model of club that can mix these both things of feeling and business on a, on a, on a way that it can change women's football, it will be okay and it will be a profitable uh, franchise. Mm. If it's But if it's going to be a marketing window where they will only show up for pictures and fo- forget about the day-to-day of the club, the team will sync up. Yeah. We have seen the USA with many MLS franchises and all the failures have made the owners of the franchise, uh, t- uh, they, they made them take into account that it's not how much money I'm, I'm able to spend and burn, but how can I make impact in the community? So that uh, that that will be the, the two ways uh, they have to to do this: the way of integrating with the community, creating a local fan base, getting closer to the to the fans. As for example, David Beckham is doing in Miami with the Inter Miami, we have the Major League Soccer, or just putting a brand, just putting a marketing thing, just putting uh, one image. And forget about it, that it was happened some years ago. I don't, I don't know if you, if you remember with this project named Chivas USA. Yes. Yeah, I, re- those I are, remember those that. Are, those are the two ways that this Angel City has in this in this new adventure of uh, NWSL. I hope they, they take the first one. Me too. Um, I, I agree with you. I think it's not just about you know, showing up for, for one game and, and getting a picture or, you know, being there when the new players sign and stuff like that. Like you say, it's about being in there for the long haul and um, providing the club with not just, you know, the financial support, but also understanding, um, you know, yeah. what these what these players need and what the club needs. And you, you would like to think that with some, um, you know, professional sportswomen, you know, I personally am such a big fan of Serena Williams. She definitely strikes me as the type of person that would take this seriously. Um, and I guess all we've got to do is just hope and pray and I guess wait and see what other players also they bring in. Yeah, that's that is that is the thing. That is the what what uh, this at, at this at the end of the day, this football business comes 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 on. It's uh it's it's just taking care of the fans, taking care of the of the closest uh, local supporter clubs mm-hmm. and taking care of of the of the people that follows the team most. Yes, definitely. And it, and like I say, I guess we'll have to wait and see, you know, announcing Kristen Press is, you know, a very um a, a great, you know, first signing and yeah, let's wait and see who else um who else signs for them and it'll be intriguing to see how they get on in 2022 but uh thank you Alejandro for joining me it was nice to just uh you know chat you and I and 
catch Angelina, up. It's, it's a pleasure always. I'm here for you whenever you want. Oh, thank you very much. Well, I'm sure that we will uh, we will chat again after that Real Madrid and Manchester City game, and hopefully we will be celebrating with you. Yeah, I hope we can celebrate Real Madrid and the group stage of uh, Women's Champions League. Here's hoping. So after my chat with Alejandro, I thought that we would catch up with Watford player Amber Stobbs as, of course, the championship is about to begin this weekend. Amber, how excited are you that football is almost back? Really excited. I feel like it's been the longest uh, off-season. And then we've had pre-season, which has been great. Um, but obviously, when, when you get going and things start to click and everything like that, when you go into pre-season for the first day, you're thinking, how long have we got till season? Like, let's get our game, let get our games going. Um, so, yeah, really excited. And how are you feeling in yourself going into the new season? Because I know, you know, you, you've gone hard in pre-season and we know you had your pre-pre-season as well. So are you feeling good going into this? I am actually feeling really good, yeah. that's um, Physically, I feel really good. Mentally, I feel really good, which I think, as we know, is not the easiest thing for me sometimes. Um but team-wise, club-wise, everything like that, I just feel, I do really feel really optimistic and positive. Good, I'm glad to hear it. I mean, obviously, this is Watford's debut season, um, you know, as a club in the Championship. Massive, massive moment. Um, what is, you know, the atmosphere like around the club, you know, on the, the eve of, you know, this happening? I think there's a, lot, there's a lot of excitement, there is, and I think we're quite realistic with that. Um, we're confident. But we know that the championship is a tough league and as a club, we're new in it. We've got some players that are new to it. Um, we're a kind of a new side and, and we've gelled really well in pre-season. So there's a lot of excitement um, and I think we're just ready to get after it and, and give it our best and kind of take what we've worked on into the season and it's been a good pre-season for us. So everyone's excited. Good. And, you know, we've been talking about um, transfers. You and I have spoken about transfers before. Um, what teams, you know, apart from Watford in the Championship, have you personally been impressed with regarding transfers? I know that Liverpool, for example, have been making some good moves. Have there been any moves that you kind of looked at and thought, hmm, that's pretty good? Yeah, Liverpool, definitely. I know um, Matt Beard and he's gone there and that was that was a big move to have a manager of, of his calibre go there. And obviously returning back to where he had success before, um, probably a good feeling for that. And I think he's drawn in some good players, um, players that he's worked with before. Um, so you've got like Leanne Keenan, who was at um, West Ham with him. And then you've got a couple of players that have gone from Bristol with him. Um, they're, they're, they were a good team last year. Um, they've obviously got Rachel Furness, who I think is a great player. Um, and I think that she was a main player last year for them, definitely, without without question and now they've got more players that they've added to them and I think they've, they've look they've got really good players already and they've added to them um so that's a big one to look out for I think Liverpool um I think not that they've made many transfers but Durham are always a, a, a good side in the league and I know they've added um uh, Liz Ajupi who's a great forward um so that's another one to look out for and having a team that's always you know in top three for years running and then adding maybe a player that they've wanted for a while or that that they've kind of put in a number nine in there that's a that's a big one uh for them 
And then you've got the likes of Charlton who have gone full-time, made quite a lot of signings. Coventry have gone full-time. So I think there's just been a lot of movement and there's a lot of teams to look out for. But I don't think you can count anyone out, any team out. I think there's been a lot of movement, a lot of changes. It's going to be a um, competitive season. And uh, yeah, it will be exciting. Most definitely. I mean, um, myself and Alejandro were, were just talking on the podcast about um, how many transfers have happened in the Women's Super League as well. Um, and do, do you personally as a player feel like, um, you know, the amount of transfers that you're seeing in the Championship and the Women's Super League that, you know, this is a really great time to be in women's football in the UK? And, you know, like we were saying, maybe the, the league in the UK is, is the best in the world at the moment. I think it's a good time to be involved. Yeah, both leagues have had a lot of movement. I think it shows you that um, different clubs are making positive steps uh, for the women's game, whether that's the standards that they're providing for the players or or kind of the backing that they're getting. Um, I think you see a lot more fans involved as well. And I think the, the, the news around the players and creating that atmosphere about women's football and oh, this players to look out for, this team to look out for, this is, this is changing here, the structure of this is changing, this team's going full-time and things like that. It's just... It is just an exciting time, as you said. And I think that uh, England as a whole is making a big argument for um, being one of the best leagues. I think there's really good leagues out there in, in different countries and different parts of the world. Um, but I, as you said, I think England are starting to make more noise like they used to. Um, and and hopefully we're climbing back up there for a place that players really want to play, play football and, and come to our league and make it more competitive, but also more exciting for fans and and for the football world as a whole. Definitely, I do agree that that kind of air of excitement certainly seems to be there. And I'm just looking forward to seeing what happens, especially, um, you know, with the television rights and all that type of stuff. Um, I think it's it's going to be a, a good season for women's football. Now, your first game this weekend is against Durham. Then you've got Liverpool the following weekend, both, you know, big teams that really did impress last season. And it's big teams to face, you know, in your first two games of the season. Are you kind of looking forward to it in that way and that you're kind of like jumping straight into the fire and just getting yourselves involved? Yeah, definitely. I mean, look, we're going to face these teams, whether it's early in the season or late, but we know what we we know what we want to do for the games. We know who we are as a team now and how we want to play. And I almost think sometimes that if you want to call it, fans might call it the deep end because of we, we are playing two big names, but we're not counting ourselves out and we want to go there and be competitive. Um, so I have no problem with, with, with starting the season this way. Um, as I said, I think this league is unpredictable. So I don't think there's a team in the league right now that we could um, turn up to and know exactly what to expect. So for the likes of Durham and Liverpool, it could be the same with playing two different teams in our league because um, there's been so much movement and so much work gone in the off-season from a lot of teams that for us, it's kind of, Yes, we're we're wary of what teams are about and things like that, but we're going to concentrate on ourselves. Obviously, show them respect, but you know we are here to do the same thing as them do. They, they everyone else is, and the three points is the most important at the end of the day, no matter who we're facing. So, yeah, definitely. As um, like you say, with this this league and all the movements that have been happening, um, you can't rule anyone out, and I think anything anything can happen in a lot of these games. Um, of course, like I say, this is Watford's debut season. Um, you know, for women's football fans that maybe haven't seen you guys play before, 
Um, what do you think that fans can ex- expect to see from Watford and this team this season, you know, regarding the squad that you're a part of and, and stuff like that? I think it's a really exciting time for fans, to be honest. It's a really exciting time for a player. I think the club backs us uh, really well, the setup we've got, the way we're treated as women's footballers, especially in my own experiences, is really good at Watford. And I think that helps um, with fans and the club coming together. Everyone knows Watford's quite a family club. And I think with what to expect, I think people will be, um, they've, we've obviously made some changes from last year and, and that means even just in the style of play and the players that they've brought in. I wasn't here, so I can't talk too much about what they did last year and everything like that. But it's been a team that I've been aware of for a few years and they've had great seasons. And I think they've continued that momentum and building for the championship. Um, I think we have some exciting players and I think we've been linking up really well in pre-season. So that will be, I think we like, we want to play football that's good to watch um, and also get the job done. Um, but yeah, I think, I I don't know what people should expect because um, I'm just really excited about it and I think people will be excited about it. And I think we'll have a team that uh, will work really hard together. And like I said, we've got a really good um, atmosphere and vibe in at Watford um, from the top to the bottom. So that's what excites me as well. I think um, I think it would just be a really exciting season. Now, your first three home games will be at Vicarage Road. Um, quite a few you know, clubs have made these announcements. How important are these moves um, you know, for women's teams? And, and are you excited at the prospect of this? Massively. Um, so this is what I was just saying about kind of the club really supports us supports the women's side and and steps like this they obviously show it because I think for years now we've had a lot of um, clubs and a lot of people around women's football saying oh it's progressing it's progressing and you know that team supporting that team and kind of the men's team's going to take it under their wing and things like that but it's not until you really experience it from the inside and you do see the differences making I mean yeah we've got it's you know we've got three our first three home games and then we've got more games there as well and it's not you know, are oh, you playing that token one game there? Um, it's actually, no, look, you are part of us and where we can make it work, you will be at our home ground. I know we're training there um, next Thursday ahead of our game as well. And that's exciting. And it's just like, it's not just a token kind of look. We're doing this because we have to. It's We're doing this because we want to. And I think it speaks massively um, on Watford's behalf of how we are as a club. Um, and I think it is really important for kind of teams and and clubs and and the football world to make moves like this because again it's putting the women's game on a stage and and again creating more of that noise for people to um to be involved and to hear what's happening and yeah it's just really exciting yeah I can uh, obviously people are listening to this but I can obviously see you and I can see the smile <laughs> on your face and and how excited yeah. you are um it's it's great to see and All I can say is, you know, best of luck to Watford this season. I'm sure that we'll catch up again as the season progresses. Um, And good luck in your first two games. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks for having me on as well. So that is everything for today's Women's Football Podcast. As always, a big thank you to my guest, to Alejandro and to Amber, and to all of you for listening. As always, if you do want to get in touch, it is podcast at onefootball.com and make sure that you check out Spotify, Apple Music, etc. to hear more from OneFootball. Football.